0: There are four servant psalms that you will find recorded in the prophecy of Isaiah. Each one of them shows as a different aspect of the person and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, to person and work. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 42 with me please, I want you to notice there in Isaiah 42. And if you do have those markers, just put a wee marker in this place because we're not... Take the time to take you over there, but we will refer to these portions of Scripture. And in Isaiah 42, we have here the perfect servant. In verses 1, even down to the verse 9, the perfect servant. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment unto the Gentiles. Some people speak of him as the Spirit-filled servant. And that is so true. We remember how that the Spirit, John in his Gospel said, that the Spirit was not given by measure unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And that reminds us tonight of the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who is absolutely sinless. And I want to emphasize that tonight. For he can't be a saviour unless he's sinless. There is what we call theologically the impactability of Christ. Now for the young people amongst us, the impactability of Christ simply means not only did he not sin, but it means he could not sin. He could not sin. He was the one who was without sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. Now would you turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Because I want to emphasize this truth with you of the sinlessness and the impeccability of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll find a tremendous verse here that God gives his servant Paul to pen in Hebrews 7 and verse 26. And I want you to notice that there are those things that Paul says in this verse that you might think, oh, he's just simply emphasizing the same truth again and again by different means. But he's not. He's not. Because he's showing us different aspects of the high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice the first word he uses there. Speaking of our high priest, he says, a high priest became us who is holy. Look at that word holy. And it means holy of character. It's speaking of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how Christ was pure even in his birth. Remember how the angel spoke to Mary. The Virgin Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. And said to her in Luke 1 and verse 35, it's recorded there. That Holy One that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He's holy in His birth. But let's move along quickly. I want you to notice there's a second word used. Harmless. Here he is pure, there's purity of conduct that is spoken of. And remember how that the Lord Jesus could say that the Prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled all righteousness. He did always those things which pleased His Father. Holy in His birth. Harmless in His conduct. I want you to notice there's another word. Undefiled. And this is speaking of His death. And I'm reminded tonight that he was, he was numbered amongst the transgressors and He bare the sin of many. But the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't dying for His own sin at the cross. He was dying for the sins of those who would trust Him and those who would accept Him as Savior. And I wonder tonight, are you one of those? One of those who has looked to Christ for salvation and for mercy. No he was undefiled in his death. And remember how that Matthew records. That he was laid in a new tomb. In a tomb that was hewn out of Iraq. It, there in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Where never before had a body lain. Oh isn't it tremendous. To think of these things. And then I want you to notice finally the Apostle says of the Lord Jesus, well he says two other things separate from sinners. And that reminds us tonight of his current position. You might say, where is Christ this evening? He's separated from sinners. He's exalted at the right hand of the Father in glory. And that's why Paul goes on to say he's made higher than the heavens. that tonight is why Christ can save you from sin there's another servant song you'll find it in Isaiah 49 Isaiah 49 verses 1 to 6 and in Isaiah 49 verses 1 to 6 we have him shown as the evangelical servant he's not only the spirit filled servant he's the evangelical servant Notice what we read in verse 2. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. And let me remind you tonight of that incident in the Gospel of John. We seem to take all our examples today from the Gospel of John. But what a Gospel it is. It shows Christ as divine. And in John's Gospel, you remember, after the feeding of the 5,000, plus the men, the women, sorry, and the children who were there that day, that in verse 14 of John 6, it's recorded how that they said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. He is the evangelical son, the prophet. Then in Isaiah 50, we come to the third psalm. And there we have the obedient servant, showing Christ is devoted, Christ is faithful even unto the Lord. I want you to notice some of the verses through there. I want you to notice the verse number the verse number five: "The Lord opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Verse seven, I'm sure, will strike a chord with many. Even of God's people. Where it says there I set my face like a flint. And that reminds us of that example. Even in Luke chapter 9. Where there were the Samaritans. And Christ would have gone into that city of the Samaritans. But how that they wouldn't have him. Because they saw that he had steadfastly set his face. To go to Jerusalem, to go to Calvary, and to die on the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ said that my meat was to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. He's not only the Spirit filled servant, the evangelical servant, the obedient servant. But we just read tonight those verses in Isaiah 52 and 3. For he is the suffering or the substitution of his servant. And there's no better verse in this portion to emphasize that than the verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed tonight what I want to do for the remaining time that's with us, I want to to compare these servant songs. And I want to show you four things that there are that recur, that run through these servant songs. I want you to notice firstly, it nearly goes without saying, but there is the servant of God, the servant of God. And in Isaiah 42 and verse 1 he's spoken of, Behold, be amazed at my servant. In Isaiah 49 and 3, thou art my servant. In Isaiah 50 and verse 5, implying the service of Christ, he says, I was not rebellious. And then in Isaiah 52 and verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. And whenever we think of the Lord Jesus Christ as servant, I believe there are three truths that come to mind. Let me remind you tonight of the incarnation of Christ. The fact that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, John Penn. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember how in Hebrews Paul spoke of the Lord of the. the children as having flesh and blood and how that the Lord Jesus took part of the seed. He didn't take our blood or else He would be a sinner. The incarnation of Christ. Think also of the humiliation of Christ. He is the one, if you turn back to Isaiah 42 and the verse number 5, you'll read there that He is the one who Uh, created the heavens and stretched them out. Oh, the psalmist could say in Psalm 24 in the verse 1 how that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the word and they that dwell therein. And yet this Christ, the Creator, He was the one who had to say that the foxes of holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his hand. We can simply go to Isaiah chapter 6. And we can see there. That in that year when King Uzziah had died. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Would would to God our nation tonight. Would see the Lord high and lifted up. We've lost a great sovereign. And so it was in Isaiah's day. And his and filled the temple. And how there was that worship. he Because Christ is adored in heaven. For they said holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And yet the Christ who is so adored in the glory. He made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. Can you imagine the humiliation of Christ? Can you imagine him listening to the vile words of men? Can you imagine walking amongst men? Because he knew the hearts of men. And he knew knew the wickedness that filled their hearts. Can you imagine the creator of this earth and universe? Can you imagine him looking out upon it and seeing what sin had done for this earth groans to the day of the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ all to save a lost mankind. But there's also another thought here when we think of the servant of God. There's the honor of service. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. And it's a tremendous honor, child of God, to serve the Lord of glory. I can emphasize it very easily by taking you, uh, not do it, you do it at home, to the epistles of the Apostle Paul and how often he referred himself to himself as the servant of God or the servant of Jesus Christ. It was a badge, as it were, of honour. And the Apostle Paul counted it a tremendous privilege to serve his Lord and to serve his God. And tonight, if you're a child of God, could I beseech you tonight, as the Apostle Paul did? By the mercies of God that you would, Christian, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So here we have the servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me show you something secondly. I want you to see that there is another recurring theme throughout these songs, and it is the scorn of men the scorn of man. we see how man viewed the Christ of God and the sad truth is believer it's how we once viewed Christ it's how we once thought of him In Isaiah 42, in the verse 4, we read the words, He shall not fail nor be discouraged. And I believe that reminds us that even though the Lord Jesus Christ would meet with much opposition and an ungrateful world, He would neither be despondent nor discouraged. In Isaiah 49, in the verse 7, it's recorded, that the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom a nation abhorreth. Oh, they despise Christ. They abhorred the Savior. In chapter 50 and verse 6, it's recorded of the Lord Jesus that He gave His back to the smiters and His cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. And He hid not His face from shame and spitting it might amaze you to know that even today in eastern countries in their culture if someone has an abhorrence or a disdain for a person they spit, it's a horrible, horrible habit it's a filthy thing but they still do it even to this day And imagine that, they abhorred Christ, they disdained him, they rejected him, and thereby they spat upon him. In Isaiah 53 and 3, we're told, he's despised and rejected of me. They hated our Saviour without a cause. And if we had been among the crowd that day that stood before Pilate, we too would have cried out, Let him be crucified rejection of men the wonderful truth is cannot change Christ's glorious position is the fact of who he really is remember we read these words in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 that he is a living stone listen disallowed indeed of men here isn't the order so important but chosen of God and it matters not that men reject Christ and men despise Christ. The truth is that His glorious person can never be changed. His position can never be altered because He's chosen of God and He's precious to God. Oh, what a glorious, glorious Savior is our Lord Jesus Christ. The scorn of man. The servant of God. Let me show you thirdly the suffering servant, the suffering servant or the suffering saviour. And throughout these servant songs, the suffering of Christ, they're divided into his physical sufferings and also into his spiritual sufferings. And tonight we have to acknowledge with the words of that little little poem, But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed. Nor how dark was the night which the Lord passed through, ere he found his sheep that was lost. We have no idea of the true depths of the sufferings of our Saviour to redeem us from sin. But remember the physical sufferings. We've already touched upon it in Isaiah 50 and 6. How did he give his back to the smiters and his cheeks to those that plucked off the hair? In Isaiah 52, in the verse 14, we read this portion a little earlier. And how it says his visage was so marred more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. And in the word of God, whenever the word so is used, it is speaking of something that is immeasurable. You can't quantify it. And the marring of Christ was such that I believe He was incomprehensible. Nobody could know Him or recognize Him. such was the marring of His visit. And whenever the people came in Luke 23 and they saw the Savior on the cross and what was done, they smoked their breasts they return. Remember, this word soul is used in the New Testament too. It's one of those questions. We were looking at the questions earlier today in God's house. And it's one of those questions again in Hebrews 2 and 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So great salvation. A salvation, Christian, that you and I enjoy that is immeasurable. It's impossible to measure the eternal blessings with earth's temporal values. There's no currency in this world. There's no price believer that can be put on our salvation. It is without money and it is without price to have peace with God to be no longer condemned. To no longer have the wrath of God resting upon us. And to be the heirs of God and the joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But all this was bought for us. For the immeasurable sufferings of our Saviour. That's why we sang those words tonight of the Godly machine. When I stand before the throne. Then Lord shall I fully know not to them not shall we. but there were also the spiritual suffering in Isaiah 53 I wonder did you notice it as you read it that three times in that portion the soul of Christ is mentioned in verse 10, verse 11 and lastly in that last verse 12 remember on the threshold of Calvary that the Lord Jesus were going to gain to John's gospel, for example. And in John 12 and verse 27, the Saviour said, Now is my soul trouble. It means to be agitated. It means to be agitated or stirred. And Christ, here, remember how he said, as any afflicted, let him pray. And if you read John chapter 12 very carefully, you'll notice that not only was his soul troubled. But he prayed to the Father. He prayed to the Father. The greatest spiritual suffering was at the hand of his Father. Just as the transaction on Mount Moriah was between Abraham and Isaac, father and son, so it was at the cross. In verse 10 we're told it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It literally means to crush him. It pleased the Father to crush Him. And our acceptance in Christ is to the praise of the glory of God's grace. God was pleased to crush Him because it was the method of our salvation and because it advanced the honor and the glory of our God. There's one last thought here. and our time is almost gone. I want you to notice here not only the servant of God, the scorn of men, the suffering Savior, but notice with me the satisfied servant. The satisfied servant. The ultimate success of Christ is seen in these servant souls. There are some people today who are very worried about the history of this world. What's going to happen? What's going to take place? Let me tell you tonight, the history of this world is already foreordained. It has already been written. And if you're in Christ tonight, you rejoice. Because let me tell you, The Lamb of God is triumphant. And we as believers, we will triumph with Him. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us as Paul penned to the Roman believers. In Isaiah 42 and verse 3, In whom I will be glorified. In Isaiah 42, again, 6 and 7, He is spoken of as a light for the Gentiles. And tonight we as redeemed Gentiles are living testimony to the triumph of Christ's grace. In Isaiah 50, verses 7-9, to we read there, Therefore shall I not be confounded. I shall not be ashamed. And it goes on to pain in those verses. Who will contend with me? And the next verse it shows us that none can stand before Christ. Because in verse 9 we read. Behold the Lord will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo they shall all wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Christ is triumphant men and women. And the question tonight is, are you on the victory side? Can you say, He is my Lord and He is my Saviour? Christ has already taken on all challengers and is victorious. And any challenger that He may face, He will also be victorious. And as, and as Isaiah 53 and verse 11 reminds us, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And there's coming a tremendous day whenever that high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus will be fully answered. You can read of it in John 17 and the verse 24. And he prayed to the Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me. For I am, that I may behold my glory. And there's coming a day of great satisfaction for Christ. There's coming a day when he will truly say, of the travail of his soul, and be satisfied. When they will come from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south shall sit down in the kingdom of God. The servant songs of Isaiah. Each one reminds us of Christ. This perfect servant. This evangelical servant. This servant who was obedient unto death because he is the suffering he was, sorry, the suffering and the substitutionary servant. Remember, he was the servant of God. He did always those things which pleased the Father. Remember, he knew the scorn of men. Remember, he suffered the agonies of the cross. But praise God, one day he will be fully and in the glory, all his people will be there to enjoy eternity with our Savior. I trust tonight you're his. If you're not, you can seek him tonight. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved you come to him, he will in no wise cast you. And I trust to me, you will seek the Lord where he may be found, and you will call upon him while he's made.